0: This is Robert Craig, I'm the Executive Director of Citizen Action of Wisconsin, and the other speakers I'm joined by on the call are State Senator Dave Hanson from Green Bay, uh, State Representative LaTanya Johnson from Milwaukee, who's Senate, Senator-Elect uh, from Milwaukee uh, after the August primaries, uh, Wisconsin afl Secretary-Treasurer Stephanie Bloomingdale, and State Representative Evan Goike, also of Milwaukee. Uh, so thank you everyone for joining us. I am going to, and Kevin Kane, our organizing director, will also be on to talk a little bit more about the data. I'm going to briefly lay out what we're releasing today and then hand it over to our talented group of speakers. So, again, this is Robert Craig from Citizen Action, Wisconsin. And leading into Labor Day weekend, uh, we thought it was important to look at economic conditions and, and the conditions of workers in Wisconsin. And in particular, we've looked at manufacturing wage There's been a lot of talk about outsourcing. In fact, we released something earlier this week that showed over 11,000. Wisconsin jobs have been outsourced in the last five years, but less attention to how the rigged global trade system and quite frankly rigged economic development policy in the state of wisconsin actually encourages the reduction of wages for the jobs that do stay in wisconsin uh, by pitting workers here in wisconsin against um... other workers across the world who are much lower wage in many cases in fact in 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 large cases um... are denied the right to form a union and therefore and therefore it's unfair and therefore uh, obviously have much lower wages and so what we did is uh, to look at this, we looked at um, the uh, for each city. And by the way, for reporters on the call, this is on the front of our website. I'll just not saying that first. And there's a slider as front of our website that has this data. So the data is live right now. Um, and so what the uh, data shows is that statewide in Wisconsin, uh, from 2010 to 2015, in, re- in 2015 wages there's been a $1,430-a-year a reduction in income for manufacturing workers. And for some metro areas, it's even worse than that. For Green Bay, where setter Hansen is from, it's $2,197 a year less than it was in 2010. Uh, for, for Milwaukee, it's $1,037 less. Uh, there are other places where it's higher as well, and the worst in the state is Jamesville, Beloit, where it's a stunning $6,555 a year less for the same manufacturing job. Now, in 2015, that is, than it was in 2010. So what this really shows is that we have rigged the economy against workers, that for a kind of variety of federal policies around trade and state policies and technical development practices of WEDEC, which actually encourage companies to outsource for lower wages, uh, we we see declining wages. And the impact of that is quite stark. Not only physical working families trying to get by and live the American dream, pay for the kids to go to college, help parents stay in their homes when they're sick, all the things important things that Wisconsin families are doing, but by taking money out of their pockets, it takes money out of the local economy. So your local grocery store, your supper club, your coffee shop, Car repair uh, uh, place, all of those places get less business because when workers have less money to spend. And that, of course, leads to even less employment and as a downward, leads to a downward spiral for the whole economy. So, the big challenge we have, what the biggest challenge we have in Wisconsin is wages going down. And it's not just in manufacturing, it's, it, it's even broader than that. But what we want to focus on here is jobs that most Wisconsin consider to be kind of the best jobs, the jobs we want to hold on to, manufacturing jobs that's a thing that really has defined uh, opportunity in Wisconsin for generations and point out that even the jobs that we've retained across the state, the wages are actually going down. And so with that, I want to hand it over uh, to Senator Dave Hansen, who has been a a real champion on on issues affecting working families. So uh, Senator Hansen, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you. It's great to be on. And what we tried to do uh, in the last session you know, we may not be able to stop outsourcing altogether, but we can and should make sure that the hard-earned tax dollars the Wisconsin workers don't pay for it. And the bill that we brought for it would ban companies that receive taxpayers' assistance for job creation from applying or receiving any grant loan or tax benefit for five years. And would create a council with a similar makeup as the Unemployment Advisory Council with an equal balance between business and labor, and would be given rulemaking authority to define what constitutes outsourcing and how the law would apply in specific cases. The bill would ban businesses who outsource from receiving any grants or loans from a state agency and any tax credits, deductions, or exclusions or exemptions. That was our attempt. You know, Governor Walker Republicans say that people who commit fraud in order to receive public assistance should be punished and banned from receiving future benefits, the same goes for companies that perpetrate a fraud on tax payers by applying for and taking taxpayer money under the promise to create jobs and then break that promise by sending Wisconsin jobs out of state. We've got examples of Eaton, Plexus, and cole That being said, what Robert and what they're talking about, in citizen action today, we're trying to fix it at the outsourcing level. You're trying to fix it at the local level when people use that as an excuse to lower wages, and that's just not acceptable. And in Green Bay, to lose. $2,197 for a manufacturing job is just not acceptable to me.
0: Uh, thank you very much, Senator. Um, I want to turn over next uh, to Secretary-Treasurer of the State AFL cio Stephanie Bloomingdale, and they're just coming out of their biennial convention, so Stephanie has just been conferring uh, with all the top labor leaders in the state and talking about you know, the state of the economy and how to move forward. So, Stephanie, thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thank you, Robert, and thank you for having me on the on the on the phone here for this <clears throat> for this meeting. And uh, I do want to thank Senator Dave Hansen for all of his uh, great work in holding these corporations accountable that that really are committing fraud. And it's about time that they um, that they get on the up and up here. And I want to thank Citizen Action for this uh, great report, which really puts facts to what we we have lo- known for so long. And citizen actions work around this uh, and, and giving this information to everyone in the state to see how wages have actually dropped in, in numbers is very important. Um, people are feeling like they are having less in their, in their pockets, and, they, and that's because they are. And when families are not able to put that kind of money in their pockets, our entire community suffer. So, smaller paychecks affect not only the immediate family, but the community as a whole. And so, when people don't have the money to spend on local goods and services, the economy suffers. Families cut back. They stop going to, like Robert talked about, the supper clubs and the car repair shops and the, the, putting money into the local economy. Little league fees are not paid. And families miss out on together times with their family, like camping trips and vacations. And the bottom line is that people, real people, are hurt when our jobs are exported and wages drop, and it's only being made worse by these elected politicians like Senator Ron Johnson, who is supporting bad trade deals like the PPP, or other bad politicians like Scott Walker, who supports this uh, WEDC corporate giveaway scheme. So, they are making it worse, and we need to make sure that people understand that it doesn't have to be like this. And with Labor Day coming up, it's a really important time for us to understand that workers should have dignity, and workers uh, deserve a a fair wage. They deserve a fair amount of the profit being made, and not just here in the United States, but workers really all across the world deserve that. And that's why we say that any trade agreement, any trade agreement require that all workers have the ability to form a union without fear of intimidation or murder. The only way that we can have a level playing field with workers across the globe is to insist that people have, have the ability to, to use their fundamental right to come together, stick together, and to organize a union for fair wages and, and decent working conditions. And so, as we come up to Labor Day... This is something that we all need to think about and give thought to, especially with the election coming up, and put our votes in—you uh, know—make our votes work for us. Thank you.
0: Uh, thank you very much, Stephanie. Uh, next, I want to turn it over to uh, Representative and uh, uh, Representative Tanya Johnson and the Senator Elect uh, from Milwaukee. And I should have mentioned that Senator Hansen is. A former union member, former Teamster uh, representative Johnson is a is a former union childcare worker. So, and has been really leading the fight to try to bring economic like, opportunity here back to Milwaukee. Uh, so, uh, Representative Johnson, thank you for joining us.
3: And thank you. I'm State Representative Latanya Johnson. As was said, but I'm also still a current dues paying member. And The reason for that is that I was brought to Milwaukee at the age of 12 by my grandfather, who worked here in Milwaukee at A.L. Smith. My grandfather had an eighth-grade education, but with his union job at A.L. Smith, he was able to relocate our entire family to Milwaukee. When we moved to Milwaukee, we moved in the heart of the 53206 zip code, and now... 53206 is known for almost everything negative, Um, high African male incarceration rate, high poverty, and the negative statistics go on and on. But the difference between 53206 then and now is that even though my grandfather had a good paying job at A.L. Smith and we would have been considered middle class, we still lived in the heart of the inner city. My grandfather wasn't the only person who lived in the heart of the inner city, as a matter of fact. A lot of the individuals who worked where he worked, who had jobs at Briggs and Stratton, um, Milwaukee Public Schools, A.L. Smith, and et cetera, et cetera, lived in the heart of the inner city because it was close to their jobs. What we saw when A.L. Smith closed, we saw a huge decline in the neighborhood. We saw individuals who had been homeowners for lo- uh, for years all of a sudden lose their houses. And, you know, having those individuals that were strong middle class um, supporters of the community was extremely important, especially in those lower-income areas, because children got to see that, okay, even though maybe their families were struggling, you still had people in the neighborhood who cared who took care of um, the individuals who lived there. Now, as a state representative and also um, a resident of the Sherman Park area, it's hard for me to see neighborhoods that have such beautiful housing stocks, wonderful communities, also suffer from dilapidation because of the lack of jobs. It has always been assumed that, you know, if for those individuals who don't obtain a college degree, life just may be a little bit harder. But what we're starting to see in Milwaukee is that it's not just that life is hard. Life is almost impossible. Because nowadays it's exceptionally difficult for a lot of our families to make ends meet. And we're seeing the state lead in, you know, for us, maybe an African-American, the worst place in America to raise an African-American child. And years ago, the statistics were not like this. You had a lot of strong middle-class families who earned their living working at these manufacturing jobs, and you just don't see those same opportunities here today.
0: Uh, thank you very much representative and I'm going to turn it over finally to representative Evan Goki who also has a union background as a public defender and also is working hard on the economic inequality issues in Milwaukee. Uh, so uh, representative Goitu, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Robert. Um, I want to the members of the press that are around the call,
4: sometimes when you hear elected leaders talk about things like, like this, Um, the the quotes that end up in the paper um, are almost like we're arguing that this is something that's not real, and the readers read it, and they think, well, that can't be me. And I encourage the members of the press on the call to simply pose the question, what would you do with $1,037? If you live in the Milwaukee, West Dallas area, what would you do with that? Or to pose the Uh, opposite of that question, what would you do if you had that much less next year? So when we talk about discretionary dollars being spent at the auto body shop in the neighborhood or at the coffee shop or the local tavern, that is very, very real. That is real money that does not or no longer is being pumped into our local economies. Uh, so, pose that question to your listenership or to your readership. What would you do uh, to the average worker? What would you do with that extra money? What's on your needs or your wish list or what is what is it that you think as a family you could afford not to spend if you had that much less? Uh, those are, are, are real dollars and, and, and the, the broader point also is if you believe in the free market, uh, these wages uh, are known on my block. People know uh, that wages are going down or are stagnant, and that's changing what what training and education and what industries they want to go in. If we want to recruit uh trained, skilled workforce in our manufacturing, we, we also have to pay for it. That's how the market works. And so, this is a clear clear signal to us in Wisconsin that we need to do something to support our workers, that if we want a healthy economy, both in the local level, the city level, or state level, uh, we need to make sure that we're competitive um, in wages because that's the way the market works. You get what you pay for. And so, it it is a clear wake-up call to me and to other leaders that are on the call. That we need to make further investment in our workforce if we want to see that the real economic development that, that I think my neighbors really want to achieve.
0: Uh, thank you very much, Representative. And before we open up to questions, let me just close with this. When you think about the term rigged economy, which is something that's become not only very popular Uh, To talk about in this election, uh, a a supermajority of the American people think the economy is rigged. And rigging suggests, very directly, that someone is doing the rigging. So, in too much an economic discussion, it's like it's the weather. It's like somehow the weather does change. We're, We're in a gale storm. There's nothing we can do about it. We should hope for better weather. But, in fact, that's not the case. The economy is structured by our political institutions, by our large multinational corporations. The global trade uh, regime that has caused a lot of this outsourcing and and reduction in wages was negotiated by governments and by multinational corporations. And an economic development policy that actually encourages outsourcing and encourages uh, businesses to pit uh, workers against workers, Wisconsin workers against workers in other countries, is the, is actually lowering wages. And so we need bold policies in the state that actually raise wages and expand economic opportunity and the number of good jobs available to everyone. And that's how we want to close on Labor Day. And these these uh, numbers that we're releasing today are a real warning sign that this is affecting everyone. This is affecting a lot of people across the state who are considered middle class and considered to have good jobs at this point, of course they're at risk of these jobs being outsourced and they're at risk of losing more and more ground. If we don't change things, we'll do this report in three years and the numbers will be even worse. So we need to stop that from happening. So I really want to thank uh, Senator Hanson, uh, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO, Stephanie Bloomingdale, and Representatives Johnson and Goyke for joining us. And we can open up to any questions that the uh, media on the call might have. And I, let me just point out, Kevin Kane, who developed these numbers, is also on the call, so we can even answer more technical questions about the numbers if, if any media has them. Uh, so, with that, Kevin, do they need to uh, start six? No, they're all, everyone's live. So, if there are any questions, we could take them now. I have
3: a question. Okay. This is Lisa from the Shepherd Express.
0: Hi Lisa Hi. Why, right why,
3: um, why are the numbers uh so varied? There's so much disparity between um, say what's going on in Fond du Lac and um what's going on in Janesville.
0: I'm going to let Kevin take a crack at that. Go ahead, Kevin Kane, our organizing director. So each metro area
5: around the state has a different level of uh, manufacturing capacity, manufacturing infrastructure, the number of jobs that have been created there. Uh, but they also are very different back in 2010 and 2000 as well, very different uh, starting wages. So you're seeing kind of a compression um, downward. And places like Janesville had much further to fall than places like, like Fond du Lac, um, Some of these places had far more examples of outsourced jobs than uh, other ones did. Uh, But overall, there is no metro that is seeing um, any increase in buying power for manufacturing workers. And in some places, it's just
0: extremely devastating. And, Kevin, could it also be that there's different mixes of industries? Because manufacturing is a broad category, so some industries may be declining more than others. Uh, Would you agree with that, Kevin? Absolutely. But we were, not, we're not down to the level where we can tell you that. But it certainly looks like, if you look at Jamesville, Beloit being the worst, uh, that what was left of the GM plant closing, the uh, auto related industry there, uh, had their wages decline even more dramatically than everyone else. But that, that's a supposition. Uh, the numbers just show uh, the odd differences in, in regions that, that Lisa, that, you, that your, your question pointed to. Yeah, in 2010, Jamesville was actually the highest
5: uh, uh, media or mean wage for, for manufacturing workers in the state. And, and now, uh, they're much more in the middle range. having dropped that far.
1: Uh, Robert, uh, Bob Haig, I've got a a question for Kevin as well. Sure.
0: Go right ahead, Bob.
1: So, um, this is, uh, jobs that have been outsourced
0: overseas.
1: Is there any similar tracking for jobs that have left Wisconsin for other states? I'm thinking in particular of, uh, the recent loss of the manufacturing
0: jobs in Manitowoc, to Pennsylvania. So, and let me this, let, let me just say, we had we, we had, a, we, had uh, we released earlier this season in the hyperlink the number of outsourced jobs. This reports the declining wages of the jobs that stayed. But we don't have, and Kevin can speak this a little more, a data point on number of jobs going to other states. The only reason we have this number. Is not because it's collected by the state or by WEDEC. WEDEC is supposed to collect um, any notifications of outsourcing or downsizing, but it's refused to do so. We had no financial request that showed that. But what we do have is that the federal government keeps track of all the workers who prove that they lost their jobs because of foreign trade and therefore were able to get trade adjustment assistance. And so it's probably a low bar because a lot of workers weren't able to prove that or didn't try to prove it, and so it probably underreports the amount of outsourcing. But, uh, Kevin, do you want to comment further? And and Bob, you're absolutely right that it would not,
5: the the examples of ones like Manitowoc Crane in Manitowoc, um, Caterpillar in Milwaukee, uh, as well as Oscar Mayer in in the Madison area, these are all companies that have had massive downsizing. And I would consider it outsourcing when you leave our borders, uh, our state borders. uh, But for the data that we can get publicly available, uh, it is not that only looks at leaving the country. Um, So while it's very, very important to draw attention to these companies too, especially considering how much money either WEDAC or other corporate tax breaks have given to these companies, allegedly to create jobs, but instead that they're leaving, they're having them leave, um, I'm sure we don't even know all of the examples of that.
0: Okay, great. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, Any other questions or follow-ups? Okay, well, thank you for joining us, everyone. Thank you our speakers. And if, there, if if you want to follow up with any of our speakers, we can make that possible and, and make sure you, you, you're able to talk to uh, any of the representatives on the call or Secretary Treasurer of Bloomingdale, and we're happy to answer further questions as we go forward. Uh, so thank you. For, and, by the way, the results are all on the front of our website. Uh, so anyway, thank you for joining us, and happy Labor Day, everyone.
1: Thank you. Yeah.